This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Um, this is a really, really important topic, which which we don't discuss enough. And actually, when we want to, if we want to talk about the tactics of shaitan, if we want to talk about the tools of shaitan, one of the the most effective tactics of shaitan, one of the most powerful tools of shaitan, is in fact the very reality that we don't know and we're not conscious of shaitan. It's like if, you know, if, if a robber wants to come into your house, that robber's greatest strength is the fact that you're completely unaware. That you're completely unaware of his presence and of his tactics. In fact, you don't even know that he exists in reality. You don't, you don't acknowledge his existence. And that makes the robber super effective. Because he can come in and out, you don't even realize it. That's one of our weaknesses, is that we don't have enough, as, as the sheikh was saying, enough consciousness of the, the, the influence of shaitan, and then we don't protect ourselves. So that's why I want to say, alhamdulillah, that we are having these sessions, and we are focusing on this. Now, this isn't to say that we become obsessed. You know, I know, it doesn't mean we're... <laughs> when people used to tell jinn stories, I would leave the room. Allah, subhanAllah, our lives, right? Um, but it doesn't, I, I'm also not talking about the other extreme where we sometimes become obsessed with these kinds of things and we miss the point. Let's find a healthy balance. And that healthy balance is, yes, shaitan exists. Yes, jinn exists. Yes, the shayateen are real. Yes, their influence is real. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala akbar. Okay, Allahu Akbar. Allah is greater than everything else. And that includes the shaitan and his army. All of them. Allah is greater than all of them. So what I want us to do is while we are aware of our enemy and while we are aware that we are in a battlefield, we should also be aware of who's in charge at the end of the day. And it is Allah. And part of our test in dealing with shaitan is actually where do we put our trust? And do we believe that Allah is greater? Who's, who has more control? Who has more power? Okay, even if the entire world, as Allah tells us, even if the entire world were to gather together to harm you with something, they could not harm you except by what Allah has written for you. And if the entire world had come together to benefit you with something, they could not benefit you except in what Allah has written for you. This is part of our aqidah to understand that while, yes, we have enemies, yes, we have enemies internally and externally, seen and unseen. And by the way, the role of shaitan, the, the role and, and purpose of shaitan, the focus of shaitan, the goal of shaitan, can actually be carried out by both jinn and ins. So that's why when I say jinn and ins, I'm talking about jinn and I'm talking about human beings. You know, in Surah An-Nas, when we ask for protection by Allah, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by Allah from the shayateen, and Allah says, we say, min khannas. We, we ask for protection from al-waswas, the one who whispers and then retreats, right? That's all, that's all he can do. Is put the idea in your head and then, you know, hides in the corner and, and makes you think it was your idea. 
makes it makes him makes you think that it's actually you who thinks that but he is whispering and that's why he he whispers and then he retreats he whispers and then he hides so that you think it's you and you start to think there's something wrong with you um but these are we have to understand that there's an external source of whispering it's not it's not even you but he whispers and he retreats so this is from jinn and people we have to be aware that there are people who actually are carry out and help in the mission of shaitan that's to make us conscious of our company as well our company among the people among the, the, the those we can see also is important because the shayateen and the whispering of the shayateen can come from both you know that 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 whispering um, that mission can be carried out by both humans and jinn make sense so there are human beings who almost embody that shayateen qualities and we have to be conscious also of our company with 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 regards to human beings as well because they they can also affect us and that whispering that we ask protection from Allah by Allah from is from both jinn and ins from both jinn and human beings okay so that whispering itself is something we have to be conscious of um now the shaitan uh has has nothing really else to do you know, I was giving a lecture in Malaysia, like like two seconds ago, and um, <laughs> and like um, I was saying that the shaitan, if you want to like learn about ikhlas, study the shaitan. He's so devoted to his mission, the mission that the sheikh talked about, the mission of attacking us on the straight path, the mission of coming at us from the front and from the back and from the right and from the left. He, he's got nothing else to do. So what we have to realize is we have a very skilled opponent, but, but that opponent also is not undefeatable, is skilled but also weak. And this is something Allah tells us. Allah tells us that his plot is weak, but he is focused. You know, it's like he doesn't take a break. And that's our problem is that when we are, we think, you know, like he said, you know, once you become religious, once you become practicing, and if you think that you're now safe from the shaitan, then you're actually already, he's going to win that battle. Notice in the ayah, something important. The shaitan says that I will attack them on where? He doesn't say I'll attack them outside the nightclub. Right? He doesn't say I'll, I'll attack them, you know, in, the, in, in Vegas while they're gambling. He says I'll attack them on your straight path. You see where he's attacking. He's going to put in more effort to attack those who are trying to be on the straight path. Because it, it, that's where you require more energy. If someone's already off the path, it doesn't take as much energy to misguide them, right? It doesn't take as much energy, as much focus, as much army to get them off the path. So he, he in fact, will put, put in more attacks and, and more skilled and more mind games and and just more effort on those who are are actually trying to be on the straight path we have to actually protect ourselves more and 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 the more that you the more good you try to do like think of it like this the more good you try to do the, the you you have to also equally protect yourself from shaitan so the more the more you're trying to get closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the more you have to protect yourself from shaitan and from the deception of shaitan Shaitan will try to go to those people who have knowledge. Will try to go to those people who um, who who are 
in the public eye. And he will come at people in different ways. So what I'm going to do right now is just talk about just a few of his tools, a few of his tactics, and then how we can defeat them, inshallah. Um, one of the tactics, and, and realize that when you say that someone's coming at you from your front and from your back and from your right and from the left, this is to indicate that he's going to use all different types of uh, pathways. If you close the front door, he'll come from the, from the back door. If you, if you close the back door, he'll come in from the window. All right? What that means is that uh, he, he's, good at, he's good at what he does. He's, he's, he's relatively good at what he does. So he doesn't just come at you and say, you know what, I think you should just become a Christian. I mean, he's not going to be like, you know, you should just leave Islam straight away, right? Or you should just stop praying. If somebody is praying, I mean, he's not going to come at the scholar and be like, tomorrow, you know, you should just leave Islam. Because it's probably not, that's, that's, that's probably not going to happen. He's going to come out in a more sophisticated way, obviously. So number one, the, the first tactic I want to discuss is this idea of perfection. This is actually interesting because the idea of uh religious perfection or the idea of human perfection, I will actually categorize that as a tool of shaitan. The reason is that when we, and you're going to be like, but that's weird, right? Because this is something, unfortunately, we teach. Like even, even if we don't explicitly teach it, we implicitly teach it in our religious teachings, is that you're supposed to be perfect. That a religious person means that they're a perfect person, almost as if, a sinless person. You're never supposed to slip. You're never supposed to make mistakes. And so for you to be good, you have to be perfect. Somewhere along the line, we've equated good, like good equals perfect. That in and of itself, I'm actually going to categorize as a tool of shaitan. You know why? I'll tell you why I'm going to categorize that as a tool of shaitan. Because number one, as human beings, we aren't perfect and we were not created to be perfect. We, we do commit sins. And Allah didn't make a mistake. Allah created us with a specific nature for a specific purpose. And if he had wanted us to be sinless, we would have been angels. There's, there is something called sinless creation, but that's not what he created. This, this creation of jinn and ins are not, are not like angels, nor were they intended to be like angels. Make sense? So Allah made us the way we are for a reason. That's the first thing we have to understand. There's a hadith that says, all of the children of Adam will make mistakes, will sin, will, will slip. But the best of them are those who repent. The first part is important here, that we understand that this is part of the nature of the human being. Now, why is that so important to understand? I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why not understanding that becomes a tool of shaitan. The reason is that if I think I'm supposed to be perfect, one of two things will happen. Okay? One of two things will happen. When I see myself as perfect, I got a big problem. What's that called? Arrogance. It's called actually, it's more than just arrogance. In English, we have arrogance. But in Arabic, there's different, there's different shades of arrogance. One is called ghurur. And ghurur means self-deception. It means that I'm measuring myself different than I actually am. Okay, so I think something about myself, but I'm actually deceived. It's, a, it's like a measuring of myself higher than I am. That's ghurur. So if I think I'm perfect... I'm actually, I have a disease of, my, of the heart called ghurur, arrogance, or self-deception. So either one of two things will happen. I either, I feel like I'm on top of my game, you know what I mean? Like I just start, I, just, 
I just started getting into the deen, you know? And you know when people first start getting into the deen, they're like hardcore. You know? Like spiritual steroids. And it's awesome, right? They're on a spiritual high. That's when you know you're like on point. You know, you're on point with everything, or you think so. You feel like you are. You know, your clothing changes and your behavior changes and you're, you know, you're praying, maybe you're doing PM, you got your hijab, you got your short pants and big beard and stuff like that. You got it all. And now, and now, you think that you're perfect or you think that, you know, you don't got issues, but everyone else does, right? So I'm perfect and everyone else needs my help. So now you become, enjo- uh, you join the haram police. Um, this, now when I say haram police, what I mean by this, I don't, <laughs> I know a dinu nasiha sister, I know that. Um, I'm not talking about nasiha at this point, I'm talking about self-righteousness, okay? I'm talking about what happens when we become deceived and think that I have no issues, I'm perfect, so now my job is to, um, to help the little people. And when I say to help the little people, what I mean is I'm actually looking down on others. It's not about helping someone because I love, yes, alhamdulillah, I love them, but it, it doesn't just become out of concern, it becomes out of arrogance, out of self-righteousness, because I feel like I'm better and I need to, you know, help others because I'm higher. That in and of itself is because of the deception that I thought I was perfect or that it was even possible for me to be perfect. All right? So that was the one, one, number one, is believing that I'm perfect when I'm on top of my game or I see myself as on top of my game. But let me just, just say one thing about being on top of your game. Number one thing about, the thing about being on top of your game is, uh, if you're on top of your game, meaning, say you're praying, alhamdulillah, you're reading Quran, you're, you know, you're, you're staying away from the fahsha and the haram and you're dressed properly and everything like that. Is that because of you or is that because of Allah? It's because of Allah. It isn't because you're awesome and your neighbor's not. That's actually not the reason. The reason that you're praying is because Allah has guided you and Allah has gifted you with salah. The reason you're saying la ilaha illallah and someone else is saying something else is because Allah has guided you and gifted you. Meaning you should be grateful, not arrogant. Okay? You should be grateful, not arrogant. You should be, you should be thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and realizing that any gift can be taken away. Right? Yes or no? Any gift can be given and it can be taken. And we know that the heart is something that naturally turns, isn't it? Ya muqallib al-qulub. This is the dua the Prophet ﷺ would make one of the most commonly, that he would make it most often. Ya muqallib al-qulub. Thabbit qalbi ala deenik. O turner of hearts, keep my heart firm on your deen. Okay? So the heart itself, the Prophet, we're told in a hadith that a person can wake up in the morning as a believer and by the evening they're a disbeliever. And the other way around. They can be in the morning a disbeliever, by the evening they're a believer. The heart is a scary thing in that it turns by its very nature. Never ever should you feel that what I have is because of me and it can never be taken away. And I'm better than so and so because they're not as good as me. Believe me, you could trade places in, in, in 24 hours. It's like that. Never ever feel arrogant or, you know, 
proud of yourself and always be grateful. So that's number one, even if you are acting, you know, as much as you can according to what you're supposed to do. The second thing about that, thinking that you're perfect, is that <laughs> um, I want to give you guys an analogy. Imagine we're all standing outside the door of a king, all of us, and every single person has something to offer the king. So we've all brought gifts for the king, all right? Now, some people are holding gold. Some people are holding silver. Some people are holding brass. Some people are holding some other kind of metal. Some people are holding diamonds. And then there's some people who are holding um, like a broken piece of pottery, Okay? Some others are holding like a pebble. Now, all of these people are, are all outside the same door of the same king, and they all have different kinds of things to offer. Um, this analogy is like us, right? And we're all outside of the door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know who we're standing with, like who we're competing with? Prophets, <laughs> angels, <laughs> things like that. So let's not be proud of ourselves. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> like, oh, I, I pray qiyam, you know? Alhamdulillah. Like, there's angels, that's all they do. <laughs> like, that from the beginning of time till the end of time, they're just in sajda. Can you compete with that? You know what I'm saying? Why am I telling you this? So we won't be arrogant. Am I saying it so we will be hopeless? No. The reason I'm saying it is so we won't be arrogant. But let me tell you guys a really awesome like ending to this analogy or this story. While we are standing out there and we have a broken piece of pottery while someone else has a whole pot of gold, okay, yet the king still opens for us. And that's the good news. <laughs> the good news is he's so generous. And the good news is that he is al-wahhab, which means he loves to give gifts he loves to open. He loves to forgive. And that's, that's the good news. It isn't because of our actions that we get saved. It isn't because of our actions that we go to Jannah and are saved from Jahannam. It's because of his generosity. Make sense? So our focus needs to be on his generosity and his mercy, not on our awesomeness. Because we're really not that awesome. <laughs> we're just humans and we're just... Trying, all right? But Allah appreciates that. Allah is a shakur. And Allah, one of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that he does appreciate. And he does, he does give thanks in, and he gives reward even for tiny, tiny actions. I can stand out there with a pe pebble and he'll still reward me. That's because of his generosity, not because of my awesomeness. You see the difference in focus. When I focus on my own awesomeness, then that's, a, that's actually a big problem. Because it's like, really, you want to buy Jannah with a pebble? Good luck with that. Right? You think you can do that? You can't. It's like the man who, who on the day of judgment, and Allah asks him, do you want to be judged by your deeds or by Allah's mercy? Which one do you want? And he says, but no, this dude thought he was awesome. He had worshipped Allah like hardcore, like all his life. So he says, by my deeds, you know, I'm good. Okay, so Allah puts all of his deeds on one side, and then he takes just one blessing that he gave him, which was his eyesight, and put it on the other, and it was heavier than all of his deeds. And he was awesome, actually awesome. 
And he's like, oh, just kidding, by, by your mercy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is important, that no matter how great we think we are, how, no matter how great we think we are, we have these other you know, people, these other creation competing with us, and guess what? These angels, the ones that are in sajda from the beginning of time till the end of time, when time is over, you know what they say? We haven't worshipped you enough. And it's actually true. Because we can't worship Allah enough. We can't actually give Allah as He deserves. Because look at this, guys. Here's the thing. We are finite and He's infinite. How could we possibly give Him what He deserves? But we're just trying. And Allah, Allah rewards for that. You know? Allah is Al-Kareem. Allah is the most generous. You, know, you ever had a teacher who like A for effort? You know what I'm saying? Like, Rewards you for, you know, your efforts. <laughs> okay, multiply that times infinity. Allah is so generous that we can, you know, smile at your brother and it's like a charity. I mean, this is, this is someone who's just trying to give good deeds, you know what I'm saying? Like looking for reasons to give us good deeds and to forgive us. And Allah loves to forgive us and Allah loves to give gifts. This is what it means to be al-wahhab. This is what it means to be al-kareem. And then, and, and, and then Halim, he's so forbearing, he puts up with a lot. A lot. People talk about him having a son, and he puts up with it. You understand? Allah, and one of the things is very important for us to understand his attributes. Now, the second problem is, here's the second problem. When I believe that we're supposed to be perfect, I either think I'm perfect when I'm on top of my game. Now let's talk about what happens when I'm not on top of my game. Is it going to happen? Yes, it's going to happen. What happens when I slip? If I thought that I was supposed to be perfect, if I thought that good people must be perfect, then what happens when I do slip? And that leads me to the second tool of shaitan. I fall into despair and hopelessness. Despair and hopelessness. Now, despair and hopelessness is a direct consequence of thinking that I was supposed to be perfect. That's why I'm categorizing that as a tool of shaitan. Does that make sense? Only if I thought I was supposed to be perfect, am I going to become hopeless when I'm not? But if I knew that that wasn't how I was designed, that I am going to mess up, then what happens is when I mess up, what do I say? I say, okay, I'm human, I messed up, and I immediately turn back to Allah and I repent. Shaitan doesn't want you to do that. Shaitan does not want you to do what Adam did. He wants you to do what he did. Can I tell you the difference? And I know you probably discussed this, but let me tell you just, just a couple things about the difference between Adam and Shaitan. We know this story and they were together and they were both told something. Adam alayhi salam well, let's start with shaitan. Shaitan was told to bow to Adam, and he refused, as you know. And he was what? Arrogant, right? And he refused. What is the problem with shaitan? Why is shaitan cursed for all time? Anyone, can anyone tell me what's the reason? Yes? Oh, good girl. She, she got the answer right. A lot of times when we ask why, why is it that shaitan, what did shaitan do wrong? Or why is shaitan cursed for all time? People say because he didn't bow. 
right? But when, when you, when, if someone says that, my answer to that is, have you ever in your life missed Fajr? Like maybe when you were like 15? Did you ever, ever miss a Salah in your life? Now think about this. When you go and meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of us, if we missed only one Fajr in a hundred years or 60 years or however long we live on this earth, that isn't just one Sajda, that's four. You guys understanding my, my line of what I'm saying? I'm saying if you and I missed one Salah, the shortest Salah, we've already missed four Sajdas, not one. Therefore, if we were all, if every human being was going to go to hell for all time for missing one sajda, which of us would go to Jannah? If, if you understand my point? So it isn't, it, it couldn't, it's not only that he didn't bow one sajda, one sajda. Think of all the sajdas we in our lifetime might refuse to do, even if we missed one salah. That's not one sajda, it's four. Four, at least, if not dhuhr, and it's more. So there's something else that he didn't do. There's something else. And it's as the sister said, it was his response after he disobeyed Allah that made him cursed forever. It isn't just the act of disobeying Allah because let's move over to Adam alayhi salam. Adam alayhi salam was told what? Don't eat from that tree. And what did he do? Eventually, he ate from the tree, right? Right? But look at the difference between Adam and Shaitan. Adam alayhi salam. The difference between the two is what they, how they responded after they slipped. After they made the mistake. Adam alayhi salam's response was, رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Our Lord, we have wronged our own selves. And if you don't forgive us and have mercy on us, we'll be among the losers. There's a very distinct difference between the response of Adam alayhi salam and the response of shaitan. The response of Adam, number one, he takes responsibility for his actions. You know how easy it would have been for Adam? You know, something I find really interesting is that Adam doesn't even try, alayhi salam, to blame shaitan. He's not trying to blame Hawa, and he's not even trying to blame shaitan. Even though shaitan is the one who deceived him, yeah? But he doesn't blame him. He doesn't say, oh, it's his fault. He says, Rabbana zalamna anfusana, meaning we have wronged who? Our own selves. He is saying, I did this. I'm taking responsibility. I did wrong, and I'm taking responsibility for it. That's one of the biggest, like, that's one of the things that we have missing in our personally, family, collective, society, community, world. We don't take responsibility. Right? At, at every level. It's always someone else's fault. You know when we're little and like kids are getting in trouble, it's like it's, it's your brother's, it's always your brother's fault, right? It's always your sister's fault. It's not you. Never is it you. He made me do it. Isn't right? She made me do it. It's Israel's fault. Um, my point is, my point is that we like to find the problem outside of ourselves. It's not that we as a Muslim, it's not that we as an ummah need to change. It's the West, it's Israel, it's, it's this. It's always these external reasons, right? We don't have enough money, we don't have enough political power, we don't have enough this, we don't have the, 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 they're doing this to us, they're doing that to us. What about what we're doing to us? Like, what about me? What about what I have to change? What about what we as an ummah have to change? 
You know, we talk about, listen, we talk about tyrants overseas, right? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But what about the tyrants that are inside the house? Yeah? What about the tyrants that are inside the masjid and the masjid board? Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, we, got, we got some Mubaraks there too. Like, it's, it's like they don't leave, right? 16 years. And then their kids take over. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, do you guys understand my point here? We got, we got these patterns that we complain about and protest about overseas. We got them in our homes, and we got them in our masajid, and we got them in our organizations, and we got them in our schools. We, we need to change. I need to change inside. And guess what? Then, we'll, then our condition will change. Indeed, Allah doesn't change the condition of a people until they change what's inside themselves. So we have to start taking this responsibility. This is the example of Adam, a.s. We've wronged our own selves. And if you don't forgive us and have mercy on us, we'll be among the losers. He realizes, number one, it's his own fault. And number two, that he needs the forgiveness of Allah. He humbles himself and he asks for forgiveness. Shaitan, on the other hand, does not. And you know what Shaitan said because the sheikh just said, he blames Allah. You're the one who put me in the wrong and you did this to me. So because of that, I'm going to rebel against you and I'm going to try to take as many people with me as possible. I'll come to them from their front and their back and their right and their left. I really hate Shaitan, by the way. I really do. You know this, um, you know this meme that's like, be one of those women that when you get up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, Shaitan says, oh man, she's up. I'm just like, that is my motto. I hate Shaitan. I really hate him. And, and, and part of the battle against him is letting people know how to defeat him because he is trying to separate us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why I hate him. And I've seen him destroy people. Destroy people, destroy relationships, destroy marriages, destroy families. This is shaitan. That's all he wants to do. We can't really allow that to happen. And here's the thing. I'm telling you, there's a way to defeat this. His plot is weak. But one of the things we have to stop doing is telling each other we're supposed to be perfect, teaching each other this, because this actually helps him. And when we mess up, we lose hope. And we say, you know what? Because I messed up, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. I'm not good enough. By the way, this is how shaitan comes to a person when they're down. He will come to you and he will whisper to you all types of, of whispers of worthlessness. You're worthless. You're not for this path, right? This path is for the perfect people. You might as well take off your hijab. Just love that one. You might as well take off your hijab. And I've heard people saying this about other girls. Really? What do you mean she might as well take off her hijab? What does that even mean? It means, oh, you're not good enough for that hijab. You couldn't be perfect, so just take it off. This is, a, this is absolutely signed off by shaitan. Shaitan wants you to believe that you couldn't be perfect, so you might as well not try. All right? That is not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. He says, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَصْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسُهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ You see, the difference between shaitan and what Allah tells us is shaitan is teaching you, and this brings me to the third point, is this. His tool is all or nothing. All or nothing, folks. That's what shaitan tells you. Allah doesn't say that. That's not Islam. Islam doesn't say all or nothing. Shaitan does. Anytime you feel all or nothing, you know that's shaitan. You know what I'm saying? 
It's like, it's like, no, not until I can become an angel, then I'll put on my hijab. Right? Don't we have this thought? It's like, no, 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 I'm not there yet. What do you mean you're not there yet? When are you going to get there? You're never going to become an angel. Right? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like first you got to go through an angel becoming ceremony. And then the hijab is the crown of being an angel. And then what happens is, Everyone in hijab then is considered an angel, and therefore, if they make one little mistake, it's like, she did that and she's wearing hijab? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I didn't know she wasn't human anymore. This hijab is part of our struggle. It's not some sort of crown that I've become an angel now, so now I'm putting this on so everyone knows it. It's, it's part of the struggle. It's just like I pray and I fast and I give charity, and I'm trying. I'm trying. It's just, it means I'm trying. That's what it means. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. Okay? And, and so the, the whole idea here is it's one of those things that we're doing for Allah, just like we pray, just like we struggle. But what shaitan wants you to believe is that and when you mess up, you should just give up the whole game because it's all or none. Right? Hey, you made a mistake, so don't pray. Right? You, oh, no, no. Whoa. He comes and he's like, wait a minute. You're going to commit that sin and then go pray? Such a hypocrite. You two-faced. You're going to do that and then go to the masjid? You're going to show your face? You're going to do that sin. You're so low and you're going to face Allah? No, 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 no. Don't. How can you even face him? Do you understand what's happening here? He's trying to distance you from Allah through despair. Through telling you you're not good enough to go to Allah. There's no such thing as not being good enough to go to Allah. Allah accepts everyone. No matter how sinful you are, no matter how broken you are, Allah accepts you. But shaitan wants you to believe that you're unacceptable to Allah. You're unacceptable to go to Allah. There is no such thing, and I'm going to emphasize this again, there's no such thing as not being acceptable to go to Allah. Allah takes anybody, everybody, and he, his door is open to everyone, no matter how broken, no matter how sinful. You all know the story of the man who killed a hundred people, right? I'm going to tell you in case you don't. 99 people he killed. This is a serial killer. And he goes to a worshiper and he says, I want to repent. And the worshiper says, uh, bro, you can't. Note to self, don't anger a person who just told you that they killed 99 people. <laughs> so he kills him too. And he makes it 100. So this guy still wants to repent. So he goes to an, a scholar now. And he says, I want to repent. I killed a hundred now. And he says, you can repent. Because he had the knowledge. The other guy didn't know. He didn't give him the right answer, actually. He tells him, you can repent. But you need to leave your environment. You need to go to this other city. Part of the, part of the path of repentance is leaving your toxic environment. Leaving your toxic friends, leaving your toxic company. So he says, leave that city and go to this other place. And while he's traveling to that other place, he dies in the middle. And when the angels come to decide who to take him, the angels, uh, you know, the angel of wrath, the angel of mercy, who's going to take him? Allah tells them to measure the distance between where he died and where he was. And if he was closer to the new city, to, you know, the angel of mercy to take him. And if he's closer to the old city, the angel of wrath to take him. You know what Allah did for this man? He shortened the distance of the earth to make him closer to the new city. Now, has anyone in this room killed a hundred people? 
Inshallah, no. And Inshallah, never. So, how can we think that we can't go back to Allah, that we aren't worthy of going to Allah when this man was forgiven? This man was forgiven. And he still, you know, it's like he just killed a hundred and he still has the hope to repent. Like, that's intense. Right? And us, like, the things that we make us lose hope, far less than this, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if your sins were to fill the area between the heavens and the earth, and you were to, to go to him and assign no partners to him, he would give you forgiveness greater than that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to forgive. It's believe me, it's shaitan who makes you believe that you've gone too far to go back. And it's him who makes you believe that when you make a mistake, you should hide from Allah. You should hide. You know when you like, you disappointed a friend, what do you do? Do you pick up their calls? You know what I'm saying? You hide. You disappointed your parents. Do you go up to them or do you avoid them? Avoidance, right? It's what we do with Allah. When we feel that we have disappointed or we have, we have, we have done something to anger Allah, what do we do? We avoid Him. Tool of shaitan. Avoid Him. Avoid Him. Don't turn to Him. Don't cry to Him. Don't repent. In fact, just avoid Him. Just, just, um, sedate yourself. Distract yourself. You know what I mean? And there's lots of things to sedate us and lots of things to distract us and, you know, we can carry it in our pockets. So what we do is we just try to numb, numb ourselves and avoid Allah like we would avoid an, a disappointed parent. Okay? That's a tool of shaitan. In fact, when you anger Allah, you should run to him more. فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Firru means actually running, rushing, you know, going. It's, it's, it's like you're escaping something to Allah. You know what, what are you escaping when you're running to Allah? It's interesting, yeah? True, but you know, in, in reality, we are running, yes? From your sins, yes. Mercy. So we, we rush to the mercy of Allah, but in essence, we're actually running away from the wrath of Allah. So we are running away from the anger of Allah to the mercy of Allah. It's all Allah, but we need to run to Him. We need to run to him, even when we feel that we have disappointed him, and especially then. All right, I think what we'll do, can we, what time is it? What? So how much time do I have left? Okay, so I'm going to actually ask you guys to stand up and like stretch and just have like a two-minute, three-minute break. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll wrap it up and then do QA. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul 'uqdatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. I want to wrap up and summarize what I said and then actually leave time for a Q&A. Okay? Because alhamdulillah, we have some extra time. Uh, so to, to summarize the points, number one is the idea of perfection, that this can actually become a double-edged sword that is used to make us despair. Number two is despair 
And the fact that shaitan will tell you that, um, you know, you're not good enough, uh, that, that you're too far away from Allah, you've committed too many sins to turn to Allah. When you make a mistake, avoid Allah. Those are all shaitani uh, tactics to separate you from him. Try to make you not pray. Try to make you take off your hijab. Try to make you stop going to the masjid. Try to make you separate from the good company. And, and he'll tell you things like they're boring. You know what I mean? Oh, they all think they're better than me. That kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So that you'll end up going with company that will take you farther and farther away from Allah. By telling you that these other people are just too judgmental. Right? Just kinds of things. Just to separate you from good company. No, no, don't go to YM, don't go to the masjid, don't go to MSA. They're all judgmental. The people at the masjid are judgmental. People over there, they're cool. They don't judge me. Well, they don't judge you because they're, like, messed up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My point is that this, this is part of the tricks of shaitan, to keep you away from good company. Um, number three, all or none. Islam is not all or none, but shaitan wants you to think it is. There's no such thing as she might as well take off her hijab. I just want to like slap somebody when they say that. I mean, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't, don't, don't enable shaitan against your sister. Tell her she's not good enough. She made a mistake, so she might as well stop trying. All right? So all or none. Islam is not all or none. But shaitan wants you to think that it is. Um, and then, of course, the, the idea of just not being conscious of, of his presence. Now, I want to just wrap up with some of the, how do we protect ourselves? One of the best ways, obviously, to protect ourselves is to know his tactics. But I'm going to tell you guys a practical list of how to protect yourself from these things. Um, I call this my dhikr challenge. Remember, remember when they had this ice bucket challenge? Everybody was, like, putting ice on their heads. Um, this is something, inshallah, more useful and less cold. Um, this is the dhikr challenge, okay? Three things that you do and you are consistent in them, you will see revolutionary changes in your life. Just three things. Everybody ready? If you're not writing it down with a pen, write it down on your phone or in your brain. But just remember these three things. Number one. Number one is go to your phone and download an app for a dua, any kind of dua app. So there's my dua, I dua, you know, whatever kind of dua, dua app, Fortress of a Muslim, whatever it is. Download it onto your phone. And every morning after Fajr, every morning after Fajr, open up your app and click on morning adhkar. After Fajr, click on the morning duas. Now, there is a collection of them that the Prophet ﷺ used to say after Fajr. Pick some amount of them and say it after Fajr every single day. You can allot 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however much time, but make it consistent. Folks, it's like taking a vitamin, all right? You have to take it consistently. Even if it's small, it will have big effect. Make sense? It's like sit-ups, dude. You know, if you want to do a thousand sit-ups one day and not do it for two months, you ain't going to see results. But if you do 50 every other day or 50 a day, you will start to see results, even though it's small. Make sense? Okay, so that's, that's number one. Now, that same dua app after Asr, open it up again and click on evening duas, evening adhkar. So you're following so far? This is all, part, this is all step one. Step one. 
And the evening du'as, again, you read them however much after Asr. All right. Number two. Um, if you go to a doctor and you tell the doctor, doctor, I've been feeling sick lately. I don't have much energy. I don't know what's going on. And the doctor says, um, when was the last time you breathed? And you're like, I don't do that anymore. Why does that story make no sense? Because you would be dead, right? Okay, this is our problem. We, 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 we complain of spiritual problems. We complain of emotional problems. We complain of relationship. We complain of a lot of problems. But if we're not praying, praying salat, you know, salah, five times a day, it's like we're not breathing. It's like we're not taking in oxygen. And then we go to the doctor and say, I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay, make sense? If you don't have oxygen in your body, don't even talk to me about what's my problem, right? It's like you go, no, 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 doctor, give me a prescription. Well, dude, you don't have oxygen, right? It's like, first breathe and then come talk to me. But, the pro- but we, if we're not praying, that means that we don't even have oxygen in our blood. We don't even have oxygen in our body, but we're going to the doctor and asking him for some fancy prescription and some fancy medicine. Fair enough? So your salah is your oxygen. Your salah is the oxygen in your blood. And if you're not praying, then you're not taking in oxygen. And you can't ask yourself, why am I sick after that? Why is my heart dead? I don't know why I feel far from Allah. I don't know why I have all these problems. I don't know why I have anger problems. You're not praying. You don't have oxygen in your blood. You don't have oxygen in your body. That's the reason. So, so that is actually the very first thing you have to focus on. Your salah is the first question you're going to be asked about on the Day of Judgment. Your salah is the first question you're going to be asked about on the Day of Judgment. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if your salah is in order, then you will be successful. And if it's not, you will have failed. Okay? So that's, actually that one should have been number one. And number two was the dua app. Okay? But it doesn't matter. The point is, these are the two. Okay? One and two. So one is the salah which is your oxygen. Number two is the dua app, after fajr and after asr. The third time that you can use the dua app, and I highly recommend, is before you sleep. Before you sleep, you click on, even, or you click um, sleep, the du'as for sleep, before, before, before bed. Number three. So I told you, I, I promised you guys that the three steps, and it will revolutionize your life, Right? This is called the Vicar Challenge. And I want you guys to actually do it. Don't even, you don't even have to take my word for it. Do it and you see for yourself. Number three is Quran. That there, sh- there should be some connection to the Quran daily. Some connection to the Quran daily. Reading, understanding, implementing, reflecting, whatever. These three things, if you do them, if you do these three things, it, it, it's, it's like putting on an armor, layers and layers of, of armor when you go on a battlefield. And if you aren't doing these things, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like a person who has no oxygen, no armor, and goes out to the battlefield. Anyone know what's going to happen to them? Okay, they're not breathing, and they don't have any armor. How long are they going to last? How many seconds can you last without oxygen? Any doctors want to tell me? 
Not, not even five minutes. Okay? So the point here is you're going to start getting brain dead and then you're going to die. I'm sure, I mean, come on. We have like Indopex in here. Come on. No, but mashallah. <laughs> so we, you're going to, you're going to, the oxygen's going to be out of your bloodstream. Right? And then you have no armor, so you're going to be shot down. And that's, that's what happens if you're not praying and you don't have dhikr in your life and you don't have connection to Qur'an. When you do, you're oxygenated and you have the armor and then that's how you get protected. But here's the other thing I want to remind you. If you do it once and then you don't do it, it's, it's like, okay, no, I don't need to breathe today. I did that yesterday. That doesn't work, right? I don't need to eat today. I did that, you know, a week ago. This is something you have to do consistently to keep yourself protected. Okay, so everyone get those three. Any questions about that? All right. Um, let me stop here. Subhanakallah, bihamdak, ashadu an la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiraka wa atubu ilayk. We'll open it up for questions. Just take from the floor. Or... Okay, any questions? Yes. Um, so there's so many. The reason that I didn't um, give any specific one, all you do is you just go to the, the app store and you just click put D-U-A or D-U-A-A, dua, and you'll find countless ones. I mean, there's my dua, I dua, I mean, fortress of a Muslim. There's so many collections. Find one that you like, but here's what I recommend. One that has the Arabic, and if you don't read Arabic, the transliteration, and then the meaning. Most of them have all three. If you don't read Arabic, read the transliteration. Okay? And don't only read the meaning, but read the transliteration and also understand the meaning. Any other questions? Yes. Sorry, could you uh, raise your voice? Okay. Okay, so he's asking, what if you're doing all of these actions and it's still so routine that you're not feeling the connection and, it, and it's just not having an effect? If that's the case, then there are, there are certain reasons why that might be the case. Number one cause of that is sin that we don't repent for sins that we don't repent for. So you may be committing sins that you're not repenting for, and those sins are what's kind of creating a crust over your heart so you can't connect to Allah. So, it, But the reason I didn't mention that is it's actually included in the morning and evening adhkar is um, tawbah, istighfar. That's why I didn't mention it, but I should mention it you know, just to expl explicitly say it. Included in these three things is tawbah. It has to be in there. Istighfar has to be in there because istighfar is taking a bath for your heart. And no one can say that, yes, I eat, I take in oxygen, I exercise, but yeah, I took a, sh I took a bath last October, so I'm fine. And that's because, um, you know, you, you constantly have to clean. That's what istighfar is. It cleans the sin and the effect of sin off of the heart. But the reason I didn't mention it is because it's already in the adhkar of morning and evening and, um, and sleep. Specifically, Sayyidul Istighfar. Sayyidul Istighfar is a dua in, from a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said was the 
the best dua for seeking forgiveness. And he said, if anyone says this dua in the evening and they die before the, um, the morning, they will enter Jannah. And if they say it in the morning and they die before the evening, they will enter Jannah. So Sayyidina Istighfar actually is in your apps um, for morning and evening adhkar. It's the one that begins, Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta khalaqtani wa ana abduk, that dua. And this dua is one of the best for, for cleaning the heart. So that's one of the main reasons why that happens, what you're saying, is because of our sins. And the second thing I'm going to say of a uh, cause of that, that phenomenon or, or, or that ailment of being disconnected from Allah, even though we're doing actions, is... Um, some sort of attachment in the heart uh, that is blocking us from Allah. It's uh, loving something as we should only love Allah. We'll do that too. So if it's our job, if it's our money, if it's our spouse, if it's our children, anything that is actually becoming a block. And so I might be praying, I might be reading Quran, I might be doing everything in that list, but my heart is actually... Um, the reason that it's blocked from Allah is because I've put something else in the center where only Allah should be. And sometimes it might be my career, it might be my job, could be school, could be, you know, my spouse. So that's another reason why that happens. Uh, I have only two minutes left, so if there's one quick question, yes. Okay, how do you differentiate between the waswas of shaitan and your own nafs? Number one, um, I'll tell you that it actually doesn't really matter because we have to fight them both in the same way. But I can give you some answers, but at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter. There are two different kinds of enemies, but we actually fight them in the same way. And that's tazkiyatun nafs. And that's dhikr. And that's istighfar. And that's dua. And that's, um, you know, ibadah. So, so essentially, the armor is the same for both. Um, essentially, although of course there are different, like you know, um, nuances. But at the end of the day, the whole process of teskeya of purification of the heart is is actually to help us against both. Okay, um, and everything I said in those three is going to help you against your nafs and against shaitan. Okay, because it's seeking refuge in Allah from both. Um, one of the du'as actually we say in the morning and evening is asking protection from the shaitan and from the nafs. It's like they're both together, and of course only Allah can protect us from both. Uh, but one, one thing that they say, the scholars say, is that, is that um, the nafs has certain attachments to specific things, whereas shaitan doesn't care which direction he takes you to hell, you know? Whether it's from the front or from the from the north, east, south, west, he doesn't care. So if he comes and tells you, "Hey, um, do this sin," and you and you refuse, he doesn't care. He just finds another one, right? Okay, then do this sin. Okay, then do this. And it's like he keeps switching it up. The nafs is like attached to specific things. So it's like if there's a specific sin I can't leave, and I'm addicted to that specific sin, that's my nafs. It's not just shaitan because. I have, myself has an attachment to that sin. There's a specific thing I'm always thinking about in my salah. A specific thing is just repeated. That, that's, that's nafsani. That's my own, my own attachment. But again, at the end of the day, we, it doesn't really matter because our, our, our defense mechanism is the same for both.